welcome back to the final Finger Guns podcast that I'm hosting for now. Episode 241. I hope you're all doing well and still here after going solo last week. Um, I can only apologize for that one. Um, <laughs> they are trying to distract me by putting their cameras on. You guys aren't working. Um, you're missing out though, guys. If you're not, because this is an audio version of the podcast, obviously, you're um, missing some of the beautiful faces that I get to see. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not going to drag this out any longer. Here to repent for my podcasting sins. It is a silly sausage living in Stoke. Cat. Oh my god, I've I've just really tickled myself doing that. Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry. We've I've just we've just bullied you for the last like five five ten seconds doing that. Yeah, oh. you know, maybe I should do these podcasts alone if this is the treatment I get. <laughs> Don't see Ross Listen. getting this type of treatment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, you did a fantastic job last week. We oh, just come to... on, on now. Oh, I know, I've had, I know. I've had enough validation from my wife. That's it. That's all I need to please. Listen, mate, but... she has to give you validation because that's like legal. I'm going to give you like free validation. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll hold the applause, but thank you. <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, sorry for this. What's funny is that when you said it was recorded, I was like, shit, this is recorded and it's going to be sent to Ross and Ross is likely going to just now cut all of our faces and put it in gifts. So if anything, we've just pranked ourselves. Um, yeah, you've played yourselves. Yeah. For sure. Please don't do that, Ross, because like, I just look like a fat slug. <laughs> anyway, um, hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm all right. Uh, I feel like it's slowed down a lot for me. I've kind of after the review period that I had and uh, I'm just enjoying the moment. Um, how about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. I am still sick, uh, but I'm feeling much better. Um, I don't know if it's the medication that is gaslighting me to making me feel better, but uh, mm. I'll take it. Um, yeah, this isn't a slight on you, but I've, I have... I have not heard you complain as much throughout the week when we've Thank you. Kind of... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's Thank such you. a shitty thing to, that's a shitty thing to say. The last week, cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just like an observation I had like, oh, she must be feeling better because she's not mentioned it as such and you've been on more frequently because you know, behind the curtain we we play games all t- together all week. We do, so we do. Yeah, so we always check in on on each other, and you've seemingly been not more present, kind of present. yeah, and not kind of being like, please don't shout at the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that was a thing at one point. Yeah, please don't shout at yeah. the game. Miles used to like <laughs> rattle my brain, honestly. Uh, yeah, that is not a thing anymore, and so medication works. The NHS has been very kind to me. They've gotten me through scans and all sorts. So just awaiting some results. Hopefully I'll be fixed. But I feel a lot more myself. So, yeah, thank you very much. Good. I'm glad to hear. Um, And I must have bought a multi-pack because it's the second silly sausage that lives in Stoke. It's Miles. It's all the silly sausages. Hello there. Yeah, I'm all right, you? Yeah, not bad. Thank you, mate. Not too bad. I had this whole bit play in my head for a whole week where I knew you were gonna give me a really gusto hello there. And I was just gonna <laughs> I was just gonna match it with like a yeah, you're right. And oh, that moment I go with that there. <laughs> that moment kind of fell with a wet fart now. Um, <laughs> no, it still kinda of worked. I think it worked. 
it's all right. I still played it out in my head in the shower multiple times and just chuckled to myself. So, um, that's the important yeah. thing. As long as you got to enjoy it in peace. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, love dissecting my jokes live on podcasts. Anyway, <laughs> how are you doing anyway? Um, good, thank you, mate. I was going to play a little joke along the lines of what you did last week with the pods, uh, and just stay on mute and not say anything, so that you'd like introduce me, and then you'd have to do your thing of like, he is actually here. I'm not just talking to myself. But then I thought, no, I will respond. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well, thank you, mate. I've um, we're going to talk about it in game of the week, but it's been a very good week for gaming, and a bit like yourself, it's been nice to kind of slow down a little bit and enjoy some games aside from reviewing. Um, and yeah, just doing all right. It's been nicer, obviously, like you said, as cat's feeling a bit better this week as well, which has been nice. Um, so yeah, it's all been very chill. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, whilst we're on the topic vaguely, because you mentioned it, why don't you tell me what your game of the week is? Oh, are we ready for freedom and liberty and all things democracy? I'll be ready, Noshi. We sure are. Tell us about it. Oh, it's Helldivers too. Um I've been super excited for this for absolutely ages, basically since it was announced. And it's lived up to exactly what I wanted it to be, which is more Helldivers, except it's now just in a third-person perspective um, with, I guess you could say, more generic shooting mechanics, but it's also kind of not in its own way. Um, and it's just supremely fun. I don't know, obviously I don't want to speak for you, but I've just been having a really kind of rip-roaring time with it and it's already becoming like an internet thing of like on TikTok and social media of all of the, everyone's getting into character, you know, pushing back the front and it's become like a real community wide experience. And I'm really pleased for it because I think the first was a real gem of a game and it did have a player base, but it wasn't as appreciated as appreciated as it should have been. Um, but it feels like Helldivers 2 is getting its due and that's really cool. Um, so in terms of gameplay, it's like I said, third person shooting, you drop onto a map, you can pick from one to nine different difficulties, all of them kind of ascend with higher level enemy types, more kind of um, patrols to manage. Um, and then eventually gets like where boss enemies just become like a regular thing. Um, so the difficulty and the challenge is still there. Friendly fire is always on. So you basically have to play this game co-op above difficulty kind of three or four um and it's easy to airstrike your teammates and it's easy to throw in an artillery strike willy-nilly thinking that's all good only to watch as one of your teammates just wander straight into the zone that they're not supposed to be in as they get walloped by a bomb um but it's just so chaotically fun like there's something really visceral and kind of immersive about it um and i really enjoy the tactical part of it it can be hard as balls sometimes and obviously as we've encountered it's quite buggy in places um both in terms of technical glitches um and the automatons being just bugged out completely where they just wouldn't stop spawning to the point where we were on an easy level and we got absolutely battered um but it's just fundamentally they've built a really solid co-op game um it doesn't really deviate much from the original aside from the perspective change um, and maybe the upgrade system to a degree. Um, and it is just literally the same objective. It's the same types of maps and the same factions that you're fighting against. But the change of perspective does make a big difference to how it feels to play. Um, and yeah, I'm having a really wonderful time with it. I can envisage spending a lot more dozens of hours um, with the community fighting back on the galactic front. Um and yeah, just really pleased Sierra Head Studios have nailed the sequel and that everyone's lapping it up and enjoying it. And what an easy win for so for Sony to start the year. Um, 
in a year where, well, as we're going to talk about as well, they don't have a lot of exclusives lined up, but this one's managed to hit the mark. So Sony succeeds again somehow. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, Nosh, or what you're, uh, I keep calling you Nosh because I'm used to calling you that off of this. So as an insight, Josh is Nosh now. <laughs> yeah, and now everyone can call me it. Um, I, no, I'm right there with you, I think. Um, <clears throat> I've never, I've never played it alone. And I don't intend to play it alone or solo. Uh, so that does kind of limit when I can play it. Because I will only play it with you, basically. Because no one else on our friends, in our friend circle will play it. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I've had limited time. Because I feel like you've delved into it more. Um, just kind of uh, going in it, not solo, but on your own. Into someone else's group or something like that. Yeah. Um, because this game just fundamentally needs co-op um, no matter how you skin a cat you just have to play and cooperate otherwise you won't get far at all um so to that i've not played as much as you um but yeah i'm i'm right there with you i think maybe the the popularity for it is just literally what you mentioned about the pers- perspective change and just kind of feeling like a more uh, like it's on, it's on the upper end of like it's not a triple a because um, you know, just but from budget budgeting reasons, um, you know, I talked about the arbitrary system of the double A, triple A stuff. But do you know what I mean? It's not an indie because it's it's from Sony Publishing, so they've had major publishing fa- uh, backing. But it's not quite like the first party titles in terms of its quality and and graphics. But it's enough for people to kind of give it another glance as opposed to like a top down shooter which feels more niche um so i think for that fact alone and kind of just the gameplay that harkens back to the sort of 360 and ps3 era where it was just literally just banter with friends um and there's not much else to it uh it feels the least cynical live service game i think we've played in a good while um especially for myself um after coming off uh, suicide squad checking out a little bit of skull and bones as well um, it's really refreshing to have this style of game um, come out and be a success story because it kind of just shows everyone that you can be live service. You also can be not predatory with your monetization and you can have a great success in terms of the amount of players that we uh, are having. Like They've had to cap the servers because there's just so many people trying to play now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for Arrowhead, Arrowhead Studios um, getting that win. Yeah, and the TikTok memes have been absolutely phenomenal. Like, I think the community side of it, like the audience has really taken to, you know, taking on like the pretend role of it. And I think that's been like a really wonderful thing to experience that the first one did have, but it feels like it's been ratcheted up like 20 times for this one. Um, And yeah, like you said, to get it right as a live service, it's a lot easier said than done. Um, And there is like a battle pass system in this one. There's a free tier and a premium tier um weapons are unlocked through the battle pass but they're all like most of the ones that are you would expect to see in the game are in the free uh track um and you can if you're smart save up the super credits and then you can buy the premium track once you've finished the free track so as far as it goes i've seen some like murmurs of pay to win and stuff it's not felt like that to me um But I think there is a bit of a thing of like unlocking weapons through that system. I don't particularly like as much as I like the original. Um, 
And I think there's enough cosmetics and stuff in the past that enough people would probably buy it without them anyway. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a shame, but I think considering it's being sold at £35 at retail, and like you said, it's on the high end of a double A as opposed to a triple A release, um, I don't begrudge it at all. Um, and I think I bought the deluxe edition and it feels well worth the money that I've paid for it. Um, it can be a bit repetitive after a bit of time, but so was the original. And, you know, I've, I've written a review, it's on the site, but one of the things I mentioned is that it's a repetitive game, but it feels so different every time you play it because the experience will vary depending on the squad you're in, who you're playing with, how you're playing. Um, and there's so much variation in terms of the modifiers and side objectives that you can come up against. Um, it just feels very well made for repetition um, to the point where you'll still be having fun, even if you're doing the same objective for the 50th time. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, like you said, with uh, just you're, you're doing the same thing, but the way you can earn your rewards is different in those maps. So you could go in with a mindset of going one way or another on how to procure the different kind of currencies that the game has. Um, so yeah also the monetization in general like the price to buy the credits or the super credits whatever they call them um you can find them in game but you could also pay however much and they're probably like the cheapest amount of credits uh, uh, like amount of monetization i've seen like full stop i think it's like 20 or 30 quid to get the most super rare credits that you can get and you'll never need that many anyway yeah i was um, gonna say it's a lot so yeah I yeah i think i think they're doing it pretty well and yeah, we're, I mean, we're doing this podcast early just so we can get some more buck shooting in, really, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we've got to go liberate some more planets, man. <laughs> exactly. Kat, tell us, what is your game of the week? Well, because I've been feeling a little bit better, I've been able to actually play some games. There was a couple of weeks where I genuinely could not be be present on a game and I was very very lucky to have a surprise drop in the finger guns inbox um and that game is my valentine's day present from the gaming industry which was tomb raider remastered one to three what a fucking treat um yeah, so that's my game of the week. It'll probably be my game of the month, the game of the year. No, I'm kidding, it won't be the game of the year. But um, yeah, it's it's been really exciting. It's something that I think I've harped on about quite a while throughout these podcasts of, you know, all the money in the world, blah, 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 or just asking for such a, I guess, like centerpiece franchise. Why has it not been remastered? You know, we, we've gotten... Um, you know, the Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, you know, the Camilla Ludington um, kind of editions. But for such a long time, we've not had remastered, to, like, OG Tomb Raider, and that was always really wild to me. Um, so it's around 27 years old. <laughs> um, and that's wild. I think it came out in 1997 or something, 1996, and um yeah, it's 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 exactly what you'd expect. It's exactly what I think remasters should be. Um I think it's not a perfect remaster, but I think that they have done the best that they can with the I guess the resources of utilizing a game that old. 
you know, we look at games today. I mean, The Last of Us 2 was getting a remaster already. That, that shit came out like three years ago, four years, four years ago, three years ago, something like that. Um, so when you think about that and what that can be, you know, what you can do with that, something like that, even though I personally feel like it looks no fucking different, um, there's only so much you can do with a game that's 27 years old and that was built on a completely different engine. And even Tomb Raider was very ambitious for its time. Um yeah, it's just fantastic. You, If you've played them before, they are exactly what you expect them to be. There is no level changes. There's no, um, there's no like, you know, frills in regards to, there's no surprises and nothing. It is Tomb Raider 1, Tomb Raider 2, Tomb Raider 3, and then the expansions that go along with the game. Um, you can kind of flip in and out between modern, like a modern day look versus a um, kind of the old style pixeled original looks. And you can do that anytime. You can do it in the menus, you can do it in the cutscene, you can flick between in real time, you know, whatever you choose to do. There's nothing fancy going on. It is a lick of paint, um, but they have done really, really well. I think on some levels they've they've gone really hard. Um people will know that I absolutely am in love with Tomb Raider 2 and there's um the Venice level for example like they go they absolutely go hard on like the texture of the wood and then there's some levels a little bit later where I'm kind of reading on Twitter and I guess I, I kind of have to agree that it feels like they didn't pay as much attention to some levels as they did to others um, whether that was a, a programming choice whether that was a creative choice whether that was just time who knows um but I think they've done really, really well. I think in some areas, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not perfect. So there'll be times where I personally think the lighting is better in the OG visuals. And so I'll have to flick back to the OG visuals to be able to see better. Then I'll flick back to the modern visuals. Um, I will preface this with, you think you remember how to play the game and you will be fooled once, twice, three times over because back then you didn't have an analog stick to move the camera around these you know you get to choose between two types of controls you can either choose the old style controls um, and that would be the ps1 controls or you can choose kind of modern controls and they've tried to do the best they can i still think it's a little janky i do think that kind of game does not equip itself to be modern controlled i think that you would lose a lot i think it would be harder i think you'd have to be very 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 skilled and put in a lot of practice and i'm even seeing some people you know some hardcore fan gamers still say it is it is just better to stick with the dang controls and get used to the fact that you're not controlling a camera with an analog stick um saying that what was i going to say there saying that you also need to remember that in 27 years ago on the playstation one we didn't have autosave okay autosave didn't exist okay and tomb raider is fucking hard no matter what anybody says this game never held your hand like it does in the newer ones just like modern day gaming does so <clears throat> i'm seeing a lot of complaints on twitter being like how are you supposed to know that you needed a key there if I haven't played the original games? My response to that is, how do you think the original players knew that? Not because they looked it up on Google. People were talking about this at school. People were getting guides from, you know, the news agents once a week. These games are tricky and difficult and then you add 27-year-old controls and then you add not being used to that. So... 
the amount of times that I've died where I haven't wanted to die has been infuriating. The amount of times that I've loaded a game instead of saved it is infuriating. The amount of times that I've gone to save a game, completely forgotten, gotten really far and been shot in the face, too many times, too many times to count. And someone was watching my game yesterday and I almost felt conscious or self-conscious about the amount of times I was saving and knowing that they were thinking, girl, you've moved four steps, why are you saving? Until they played it. And honestly, they are ass over tit every time. He was like, I know how to play this game. I've been here. And I was like, you just wait, good sir. You just wait. And he was like, yeah, you're not fair enough. You think you remember how to play these games. You think that you will just be jumping around, ledging, grabbing everything. You won't be. You will be a piece of shit on that floor. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's still absolutely heart and joy, essence of Tomb Raider. They've kept it. I think they've done a fantastic job. I think it's really solid effort. There are rumours in the mix that they are remastering um, four to six. So Anniversary, Underworld, um what the angel one is um i didn't really play those later ones <laughs> as you can tell um dark angel of darkness that's it um yeah so yeah so that's been my game of the week i'm slowly mulling through the old cheats still work it's just wonderful um word of a caveat is that if you're a massive trophy hunter that is nearly 300 trophies in the game um, but if you're on PlayStation 5, there is no platinum. And if you're on PlayStation 4, there is a platinum. There is gonna, it's gonna take, I think somebody worked out that it would take just under 200 hours to get every single trophy if you're doing it efficiently. Um, and that's because you need to do multiple playthroughs. There are playthroughs where you only are allowed to use her pistols. There are playthroughs where you have to never use a medipack. There are playthroughs where I don't know how people are going to do that. There's a time trial of like finish the game in five hours playthrough. So <clears throat> only the hardcores, but I think I see a lot of streaming of T Tomb Raider anyway, previous to these remasters being announced on TikTok. So I have no doubt that these trophies will get, will get got and people are going to have a lot of fun with it. But uh, it's 20 quid for like all three. It's absolute bargain. Go get it. What are you waiting for? Yeah, I think it's testament to um, you still carrying on playing it after review. That I, I know this is uh, a series that you've loved before, but the fact that you're still carrying on with it, and I feel like you're warming to it even more than when you reviewed it. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd agree with that. Um, um, so it's good to hear. It's good to hear that it's still good. Uh, it, they've not really changed much. Um, I, I've do, is the visuals being a change is that enough for you like everything else is pretty much the same right yeah like game yeah gameplay wise everything's the same there's like a little thing now i mean they've added like a little metal gear solid um explanation mark when you run past a key or there's a lock or there's a block that you have to move um i wouldn't really say that adds anything to the game because i think it's really obvious that there's a key on the floor or there's a block that's movable and and unless you were near that wall you wouldn't like you're not going to get the explanation mark anyway so they haven't changed anything and i think that's i think that was the right way to do it i think this game is too old to be fucking around with like that and i think that the the, the audience and the community are too into it so i think they made a really good decision to be like let's just you know it, it's almost like they've taken an artifact and that what's the um word for it when they when you like up hot like 
like upholster they've upholstered the, the franchise they've not done anything fancy with it they've not you know completely changed the battle system they've not completely you know changed the way the narrative is told um they've not completely changed the way that you fight you know it's still a Lara Croft with her guns um so yeah I think it is enough I think there are times where I think there are you could have done a bit more there like I said earlier like there's levels where I'm like oh that would have been nice to be a bit more but there are other times where I'm like damn that looks sick um, I was watching someone's playthrough and they were really far into um, two, um, whereas I had to like review all three games and I just kind of like uh, dipped in and out. And sometimes, and I even felt this as well, sometimes I feel like the atmosphere is better with the older graphics and the cutscenes. Um, and some people have got a couple of clips of that later down in the game. Um, so it just depends on your playstyle. It just depends what you want, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like the older graphics, but I think that's a nostalgia thing. Um, but I think either work and the newer graphics don't take anything away other than sometimes a little bit of atmosphere or lighting for some reason. Um, <laughs> corners will be much lighter in the older graphics than they are. And I think that's for ambiance and, you know, realism and all that jazz. But yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah, PS1 graphics are coming back. I mean, I, I reviewed yeah. a, few, a few indies last year that borrowed that style and there's some more coming out this year. So just that vibe, that atmosphere, and the way the graphics used to be then, they're coming back in a big way, um, yeah. and I love it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Good. So um, my game of the week, I mentioned it last week that I was going to talk about it this week, and I feel like I should <laughs> fulfill that promise because um, I've been playing other things now. I've actually kind of moved on a little bit, and I'll come back to it a bit later, the game in question, um, just because... I'm either working on new stuff with reviews or um, I want to play Helldivers with Miles. Um, but yeah, so I reviewed Banishers Ghost of New Eden. That review went live last week. Um, uh, and it is a narrative-driven action RPG from Don't Nod. So you probably know them from Life is Strange. Maybe less so for Vampire or Vampire, however you want to say it. Um, but... This is like the second collaboration with Focus Entertainment Publishing and Don't Nod Developing, um, the first being Vampire. So those two as a comparison is very apt. So if you think about that game, if you've played it, um, this is kind of a bit more of a, a fleshed out version of that in terms of it, the way it plays these days. Um, I know that's kind of what a lot of people had um, a lot of complaints about with the combat and just the general sort of jankiness that Vampire had. Um, this is it's a bit better than that, but not by much. However, um, if you liked the writing of Vampire and you liked the writing and the story of Vampire, uh, you will equally love or even enjoy this version more with Banishers Ghost of New Eden. Um, they're not linked. They're just linked by kind of the, the semiotics of both game. Um, so I just wanted to kind of preface it with like a, a baseline of of what it's kind of like. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's like the end of the 1600s, like 1695 in America. Um, a lot of people are coming over from different countries to kind of start a new life because this is kind of like the first frontier of America. Um, you play as dual protagonists, uh, Red McRaith and Antea Duarte. Um, they're banishers by name and by um, occupation. Um, and a banisher is basically 
people who um, contact the dead that are still on the living world um, and haunting uh, living people. Um, and your job is to either ascend these ghosts or banish them to the underworld or whatever um, until Antea, um, and well, the, the pair of them are on a mission in America. It's a really big bad called the Nightmare, which is very generic and a very forgettable figure. <laughs> but the Nightmare kills Antea, and that's not a spoiler because it's all in in all the promotional material um, that the woman in the relationship dies uh, on the job, and Red McGrath is kind of tossed aside and is in a different part of America, kind of without any of his tools and kind of beaten and bruised and broken, and now without a partner um, through relationship and through the job, because um, these two are lovers. Um, and yeah, the journey is kind of to fix all the problems that are going on around New Eden, because um, it's not it's more than just the nightmare that's raining terror. Uh, it's multiple hauntings from all these different people that are just kind of trying to get on with their lives and the nightmare is influencing kind of all this dark stuff to happen and it's a very miserable place to live and you playing mainly as red the human although you can play as Antea in, in some instances you can switch between the two whenever you like but um, red is like the main protagonist Antea is outside of combat is kind of like a Batman uh, detective vision um so yeah you're playing as both for them you are going across country and your goal is to reach back to new eden and defeat the nightmare but in between that is a plethora of people that are kind of being haunted by a spouse or a best friend and and they've all died in all these certain instances and it's your job to kind of work it out uh, in a sort of like Witcher 3 type of way where Geralt would have these contracts where he would look around his um, sort of surroundings of like a, a um, an appearance or whatever, and like a haunting, and you'll go through the place and you'll pick up things like read materials that kind of link towards the case and you make connections through that. You talk to the people, you talk to the ghosts as well, and you kind of make this decision whether or not you want to banish, ascend, or blame the human. Um, and this is because you make a, a choice right at the top of the game with um, Antea. Are you going to bring her back to life, or are you going to let her move on to the afterworld, or the afterlife? Um, and that's quite quite a complex, like hard choice to make. I feel like at the start of the game, you have this sort of moralistic obligation to think, oh no, like as people, like we should move on, right? When people pass um, and the sort of like the idea that bringing someone back to life is the immoral way because, you know, like things happen, we have to move on. Um, but it's better, it's easier said than done, especially when it's a loved one. Um, and I think the game perfectly kind of executes the theme of grief through this. Um these people that you meet that are being haunted by people that have passed, um, but they can't let go of the person that's on the, the living side of the world. It's very morally gray. It's very ambiguous. And you're not really told what the right way to enact these, um, these banishings. Um, and for that, it's, it's very impressive um, story-wise, narrative-wise. It, it really kind of 
tugs at your heartstrings and kind of puts you in these melancholic conundrums. And um, for that, uh, I was absolutely floored by the game. Um, on the other side of it, <clears throat> it is an action RPG. So there is combat and it's kind of inspired of like, say, the God of War game that came out in 2018 and Ragnarok that kind of followed it up. So it's like an over-the-shoulder third person. You fight as both Red and Antea. You can switch between the two because they do their own sorts of different damage. That's not as great. Uh, it's not so fleshed out. It's not as um, hard-hitting as it should be. And I also felt like I was fumbling a lot of the parries when it shouldn't have done. Um, so I didn't I did. I, I, the, it was serviceable. I got there with the combat, but it wasn't anything that I was really leaning towards to think that it was great. Uh, there are a lot of really cool sort of ideas and systems where you kind of combine both Antea and Red in a combat sense, and that is interesting. And there's a skill tree where you have to make choices to either favor your kind of um, favorite play style of of combat. Um, but yeah, uh, so it, it's it's difficult because there are two versions of this game that feel very different, but they're somehow together. And with that, it's very hit and miss for an audience. Um, I think I I came away really enjoying it, um, but I can see why people wouldn't. Um, if you don't have the patience to kind of sit with a story and kind of, you know, enjoy the sort of sub stories that you go through throughout the game, you won't find a lot to love here. Um, unless you kind of do like the sort of stripped back combat. Um, but yeah, so I played that. I reviewed it. So the uh, reviews on the site and it's live and you can go ahead and check it out. Uh, I kind of given you a baseline of my feelings over it. I, I did really enjoy it. I think I'm not in the minority because it's gotten really good reviews, <clears throat> but there are, a lot of the lower end sort of scores for it as well. So definitely bear that in mind. That was Banish's Ghost of New Eden. My no banishing uh, here. <laughs> no, it's not banished from me for sure. Um, but the audience and Roscoe in particular might want to banish this portion of the podcast because we are going to kick it off with Miles to give us the picture perfect quiz for an audio platform. Take it away, Miles. Can I just say, I really like the segue that you did on that one. That was uh, impressively done. Thank you. All right, you know, second podcast in, I'm getting there, you know. I can yeah. make connections. Yeah, you're already making I it I can happen. talk. <laughs> I've got this. Uh, <laughs> okay, let me just find the share screen. Do, 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 do. Should be... Can you both see? Okay, well, that's kind of showing you the first one already, so I hope you didn't see it in time. Cat. Cat's got her hand up already. <laughs> we have not officially, we've not officially started the quiz, and Cat has already put her hand up. Um, you can deal with that how you will. You are the quiz master after all. So if you want to skip that one, because I got an answer for sure as well. Um, how about? <laughs> I say skip it. Skip how it. about? How about? We do it as like a quick draw of the second I move the cursor to scroll down to the screenshot, you both have to just be ready to hit it first. You've both seen it, and okay. I'm assuming you both know the game. So it'd be a shame no. to miss it. Uh, I don't know. I think there might be an unfair advantage there. Three, two, one, me. go. 
Oh fucking hell, you're both literally at the same time. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna give you both a point. Yes, see, so we should have just skipped past it. Would you like to uh state what the first game was for the audience? Because there were no guesses. <laughs> uh I'm gonna say Banjo Kazooie. It is Banjo Kazooie. Well done both. You both got a point for getting Banjo Kazooie. Uh are we ready for number two? Yeah, yep. go on then. Three, two, one, go. Oh, Josh, you were just ahead there. You fucker. Sorry, it's Until Dawn. It is Until Dawn. Well done, Josh. And number three, boom. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh my God, Kurt, you just missed it again. No huh? Josh, Did I get it? Afraid. No, I'm afraid Josh was Whoa. a millimetre ahead of you again. Oh, <laughs> that's so harsh because you... Dead. It's harsh, oh. guys, sorry. It's Concrete Genie. It's Concrete Genie. Oh, smacked my uh, microphone. Okay, next one. Go. Cat. Was that actually me? Because I feel like I only heard you through the wall because your mic keeps cutting out. Um, <laughs> That's so annoying. I put my hand up as soon as I saw it. Well, your hand went up first and it was on the screenshot. So okay, that's you. Wii Sports. It is Wii Sports. Well done. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 <laughs> uh, Number five, go. Oh, oh. Cat, you are first. Fuck yeah, Sanalia. Oh my god, it is. Well done. Oh, oh what, a, what a game that was. I know, right? Class game. It should have been someone's game of the year. I think it was. Uh, I think it was as well. Yeah. Check out Finger Guns Game of the Year 2022. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it wasn't last year, it was the year before. <laughs> oh, so long ago now. <laughs> uh, next one, go. Oh, Josh, you were a millisecond ahead on that one. Oh. It's Dredge. It is Dredge. Well done. Uh, no, he knew seven. it was just us two on the podcast. I did. <laughs> These are like our games. I did tailor it. I've known every bit. single one so far. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, you might have jinxed it for the next one. I realized afterwards, but I would commit to it. So, uh, number seven, off we go. Oh. Josh. Shadow of the Colossus. It is. Although Cat was pretty quick on the draw there as well. And number eight. Oh, Josh again. Oh, no, that was Cat. Oh, Sorry, Cat, you were first. I'm going to come down there in a minute. <laughs> That's Red Dead 2. That is Red Dead 2. Well done. I've never heard of a Red Dead 2. Oh, go away. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> uh, number nine. Oh, cat. Yes, call the lamb. Oh, my God. Which means we have a tiebreaker for the final question. Oh, no, I put the wrong one. Hold on. Let me uh, switch that around. No, yeah, that was right. You were right first time. <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm just gonna okay. I'm just gonna go ahead for number ten. Uh, are we ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go. Oh, Kat, you were first. Dead by daylight. That is dead by daylight, which means with six points, you ah. win the quiz. Josh had five. <laughs> I won. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> The, re- the record books will always say that Josh won no matter what. 
yeah, you know, we carry we started this in 2023. Why not carry it in 2024? Exactly. We might as well stick with the routine at this point, you know. Uh, but otherwise, was... uh, aside from the history books, well done for your win, Kat. Thank you. Well done, Josh. Well done. I'm clapping. I don't know if it's coming through on the mic, but I'm clapping. Thank you. I applaud both. You see, of you. that was a fun time. Not going to talk shit on Ross, but that quiz went a lot quicker knowing that we didn't have Ross kind of exclaiming the rules of the quiz, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we would still be in a Red Dead too. Civilized quiz. That was like a game of like uh, crochet or something, croquet, whatever the game is. I don't know. Yeah. Croquet. That's that's, croquet. that's how posh I am. I don't it's know what it is. Cheese croquettes. <laughs> I love me a quiz croquette. <laughs> me too. Well, thank you again, Miles, um, for letting me win another week. You're welcome. You're you're racking up the wins now. I think you're on like 59 weeks in a row. Yeah. Well, you know, I I just just it's me, you know. You know, you I'm always a winner. To, you just need to let but her so Cat's a winner this week, really. So I want to take it away from her. The real yeah, don't MVP. take it away from the female. That would be so disappointing, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you need to do Miles. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was gonna say you should do like a Sims only quiz. Like you gotta <laughs> you gotta do the different franchises of Sims for the screen. Well I would have no idea. I'd be like the one where everyone uh. fucks a horse. Like I don't know. Do you know what funnily enough? I think I'd get every single one because I'm a low-key Sims head. I've not played but it. Do you know in a what though? Time. That would be accepted in the gaming community, but if I got every every single one right, oh, Oh, of course, because she has a vagina and she plays <laughs> games in her pretty and pink headset. <laughs> you are wearing a pink headset, though, aren't you? Yeah. I am, but I didn't buy this for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want this one. I got God. asked to pick a colour between white, black. No, it was rose gold, green and blue. And I was like, rose gold. And then these came and they were like Barbie pink. And I was like, it's not rose gold. That's not that's not what happened here. Right, like sold a razor. false bill of goods on that one. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> right, let's get into the news of this week. So this past Thursday, we were treated to an emergency podcast from Xbox with CEO of Microsoft Gaming, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox Game Studios, Matt Booty, <laughs> Booty and Xbox President Sarah Bond. Uh, and it was more also moderated by the director of Xbox Broadcast, Tina Amini. Um, it was a 22-minute podcast. It could have been a blog post. I mean, it could have even been a tweet, really, um, with the extent of knowledge that we got. It was uh, jam-packed with jargon about constant growth as a company, real business-minded chatter, but we did get a couple of nuggets of information we, with regards to the future of Xbox, and um, it's hopefully got players to put their pitchforks down. Um because it certainly didn't feel like otherwise before this podcast came out. Uh, Spencer com- Spencer confirmed that there will be four games that will go multi-platform. Um, they're, they're obviously already on PC through Game Pass, uh, but now they mean other consoles. And I think it's fair to say it's mainly PlayStation. I feel like some of the games could run on Nintendo Switch, but I think PlayStation is probably the focus of the platform that they're not mentioning without mentioning it. Or they are mentioning by not mentioning it. There you go. Um, There was no confirmation on which games specifically, um, just that two were live service and and it was going to go multi-platform for the betterment of the community playing the games. Um, And then 
and the other two were more of the developers' passion projects that aren't necessarily console sellers, but they help create a diverse portfolio. Look at me. I should be wearing a tie. Talking about portfolios. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to pass this off to both of you. Um, I've got a good idea of the new leaks and that have already suggested what four games they might be. Uh, but what Xbox games would you like to see on PlayStation? Would you like to go first, Kat? No, you can kick it off. All right, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off then. Go on then. Say a Halo because everyone knows it's fucking Halo. I actually am not bothered about having Halo on PlayStation. I feel weird about Gears of War Halo um, being on PS. I just... Yeah. Like, the era we grew up in, I don't think those icons should be on another platform. Um, I know it's like a really weird, like, fanboy kind of thing to say, but I just think they were, like, iconic to that era, and I think kind of changing that now just feels odd to me. Um, I'd actually more like to see the... Um, I know, obviously, you said about the leaks, Josh, so we do kind of know what it is, but I'd like to see the smaller titles, which are more of them more like creative almost kind of weirder kind of endeavors and the first one that popped to my mind when this was announced was something like hi-fi rush which came straight out on game pass it was shadow dropped it was hugely popular i played a bit of it really enjoyed it i know it was paul's game of the year um and it seems perfect for this kind of move where it won't make any money through sales unfortunately because game pass is the only means that people will play something like this on the xbox ecosystem um so it kind of smacked to me as like a really obvious choice for this kind of thing. Personally, I'd like to see Hellblade 2 on PlayStation, just because I think, again, it's a game which, if it's on Game Pass, it's not going to sell, which I think the problem really is that I don't want the studios to not be successful or to see layoffs in studios making great games, but not receiving their dues in terms of credit for the money that they generate, because the games aren't going to sell if they're only on Game Pass. Um, so things like Hellblade 2 and Hi-Fi Rush, I think, would make sense to go onto other consoles because it's a revenue stream um, and it will keep those developers and those studios bringing in money, which keeps them well resourced and it stops people losing jobs. Um, so, yeah, the ones like, I guess, Starfield, maybe I could see Starfield on PlayStation, but I don't think anyone would be particularly too fussed. I think it would sell, but I don't think anyone's clamoring for it. Phil, um, Phil Spencer did confirm in the podcast that Starfield and Indiana Jones are definitely not coming to other consoles in the yeah. future, or at least in the near future. Um, it really depends kind of how well these first four do, I think, to yeah. see what happens next for them. And I think they do need to keep some exclusivity stuff for the bigger titles for themselves, because otherwise there's just no reason to have an Xbox outside of Game Pass. Um, yeah. So I feel like it makes sense that it's not going to be those kind of games. Um, I think with Starfield, like I said, I don't think there'd be a massive clamoring for it anyway. And like I said, stuff like Halo and Gears of War and stuff like that, I personally, even though I would love to play them, I wouldn't want them on PlayStation. I like the fact that they are icons for Xbox as a platform. Um, and I think it's nice to have that separation in some ways. Um, so, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'd prefer to see the more creative endeavors and the double A or the smaller AAA games making their way over so that they can be supported and people can buy them to support the studios. For sure. Kat, is there any that you think might be on there more specifically that's more um, confirmed? Or... 
Well, I know I've seen the leaks, so I'll tell you what I would really like to be on PlayStation from Xbox. Mm-hmm. That's an Xbox exclusive, and that's Fable. I Definitely. think that would be sick. I would love Fable to be there. Um, to my knowledge, it's not Fable, but even if that was something later down the line for when Fable 4 gets released um, and it's like a timed exclusive on Xbox and then, you know, carries over or they start with the, you know, hype of the OG Fables coming to PlayStation, that'd be sick. I'd 100% play them again. They were just so cool, so good. Um, So, yeah, other than that, the fact that I might get Spyro after all back on my you know, lovely square, triangle, circle, X controller is just music to my ears. Um, But yeah, I'd really like to play Grounded. I think everybody, I saw when that was like a thing, like all over the streams, and I think it is still heavily streamed as a game. Um, I really, I just want to check that out. Um, See Thieves as well, that'd be sick. Um, because my brother, but uh, my brother keeps telling me, "Yeah, see, you should get see, fuck off, all right, let's fucking see these." Um, yeah, so tricky, but I mean, my number one day one would be Fable. Yeah, so I think um, with some of the sort, of, I mean, some of them aren't even leaks. Uh, see a Thieves straight up tweeted kind of like a shanty that kind of alluded to the the idea that they might yes. be moving elsewhere. Um, so it's, I think it's safe to say Sea of Thieves is probably going to be one of the two live services and um, with Grounded also being live service it, I mean it's a good good thing, I think it's a good chance that it will be Grounded too um, and as well Miles with uh, Hi-Fi Rush I think there's been like data leak of kind of coding that kind of suggests that Hi-Fi Rush has got some sort of PlayStation and Nintendo Switch exclusive skins attached to um, the files. So I think that's a fair shout that that's going to come. Um, also, I think uh, Pentiment is going to be one that's definitely going to go on there. That's the Obsidian's game that came out. I, I think I want to say really early last year or late the year before that. Um, and that was kind of like that side scrolling narrative where it's almost like a, like a, an eight like a 15th century drawing sort of thing um apparently it's amazingly written um and also i think you both talk about hellblade and fable uh it was a couple i think it was just after sort of all the news broke that kind of sent twitter into a flurry of like reactions um that their store pages did change some of the wording that they had um, so at first they did say exclusively to Xbox and Game Pass um, or in PC or whatever. And now it's kind of like coming to consoles and PC through Game Pass. Um, so whilst we have already kind of got a four list lineup that are probably the definite picks, um, I do think there is definitely room for it to transition into some of the, the more bigger releases that have come later down the line, um, especially with Hellblade kind of being... You know, a smaller game in size and scope, um, but probably very expensive to have made. Um, so with that, they do kind of need to make their money back. And I feel like being bought by uh, Xbox to put it out isn't enough for the studio, maybe. And, and a couple of extra pounds through 
uh, like a just a, a normal purchase makes total sense. Um, but yeah, that was kind of it for the Xbox uh, podcast. Um, there was so much like that I was listening to, and I just wasn't even paying attention because it really just felt like big wigs talking to each other as opposed to the fans and the audience and the players. Um, a lot of it could probably go over your head. Um, but yeah, so that's a big change for 2024. And another change to 2024, even though it's not, it's a change for the worst, I guess, because we're not seeing it. Um, the Nintendo Switch, or I want to call it the Super Nintendo Switch, um, is, oh, I didn't even say it, Nintendo Switch 2. Um, is what I want to call it. No, Super Nintendo Switch is what I want to call it. Jesus, I'm in a circle, not a spiral. Um, it's being reported that it's not releasing this year. Uh, this is James Batchelor at GameIndustry.biz. The, the successor of Nintendo Switch may not arrive until early next year. That's according to the anonymous sources behind various media reports, including Bloomberg, who claim Nintendo has been telling game publishers that its next console will not be on shelves by the end of 2024, as originally targeted. Some publishing executives are said to have been told Switch 2, or whatever Nintendo names it, Super Nintendo Switch, uh, <laughs> will not launch until March 2025 at the earliest, a full eight years after the original device has made its debut. So, I mean, for me, it's a much of a muchness. I didn't feel like we were getting a Nintendo Switch 2 anyway. Um, like, not this year anyway. Like, I, there's, in my head, I'm not, it's not something that I was looking forward to. Um, Kat, I know you've had some experience with Nintendo Switch. You've kind of, mm -hmm. I think you've got like the base version or you've got the light, right? No, I got the I got the standard, the um, lovely pink and blue one. Would it be something you'd upgrade, either if it came out this year or next year? Would it be something that you'd be looking into? Mm, for me personally, no, and I I think that for people with you know who are massive Nintendo heads, like this is really exciting news. But for me, I don't reach out for my Switch enough to justify mm. getting a brand new Switch. I think, like, the thing is about it, it's a little odd as well. Like, the graphics are going to be, like, it's not an OLED screen, so it's slightly worse graphics than, this, than the OLED Switch. And it's probably going to be, you know, £200 more because it's a Switch 2. Um, I think they're going to have to release a massive first party with it as well. Um, and I don't know what that first party would be. Um, because with this switch we had Animal Crossing. Um, so no, it's not something that I would rule out. But if anything, you know, uh, the last time I played my switch was Christmas and that was because I was desperate to play Mario Wonder. I think I played about seven hours of Mario Wonder and then I put it down and I've not really picked it up since. And I, I don't remember the last time I picked up my switch before that. Um, I really only do play my switch to review games. <laughs> I think the only other time that I would play the Switch is if I was on, like, a horrendously long train journey or something like that. Um, yeah. So, it's really exciting news, though. That's not me, like, poo-pooing all over it. No, yeah. Um, it is just, like, for me personally, it's not something that I will reach, but it is really exciting that a Switch is coming out. I hope that they... I think as well, and I hope to God that they don't do the same thing that 
PlayStation had with the PlayStation 5 is that I hope that if they are announcing it for 2025, if it isn't coming until next year, that they have enough stock that they're not fucking around with this idea that it's so desirable that it's sold out for a year because that's that's just not cool. Like, it's not fun. It's not like a clever marketing ploy anymore to be like, oh, it's so sold out because everybody wants one because partially a lot of people can see right through that. But secondly, it's just a shit, like, how are you making money from that? Like, constantly selling out. It actually ends up annoying people more, I think, and people just settle with not having one. Um, so I hope that they, they can reach the demand that there might be because I think, you know, after PlayStation recently released that it was in the latter stages of the, of the PlayStation 5's life, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, for the first 18 months, you couldn't get a PlayStation like you had to win a contest to win the opportunity to buy a PlayStation. That's how I got my PS5. I didn't even win a PlayStation, Josh. I won the opportunity to buy one. What what <laughs> fucking bullshit is that? Like, yeah. so I hope to God that if they do do that in 2025, it isn't like that because I just think that's bullshit. I don't think it's worth it either. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think them sort of uh, worries are obviously warranted because of what happened with everything else um, but I also think that uh, the console itself, the kind of specs that we've been seen in leaks it, it being an LCD screen as opposed to an OLED screen um, the sort of way that they worded it that the games will look like and play like a PS4 game um, to some people that might sound like it's really put them off but to, I think, people that actually kind of their mainstay is Nintendo Switch, to get something that could run as good as a PS4 game, because they can hit the 60 frames per second. They're quite capable if they're not graphically um, intensive, and I don't think Nintendo do those kind of games. Um, but that is also the other kind of aspect to the release is what would they release as a first party title um we obviously had zelda tears of the kingdom last year which is probably one of their biggest hitters uh on recent memory outside of animal crossing mario wonder being the first 2d mario in a long time um what was the other one i was gonna say um so we had zelda we had Mario Wonder. There was Animal Crossing that came out last year as well. Um, yeah, I have completely trailed off. <laughs> Miles, save me from trailing off. Uh, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> um, is it too early in, in the life cycle for Nintendo Switch? I know it's kind of been out for a while if we talk about the original release, I think it was 2017. Um, so it would be like eight years by the time the Nintendo Switch 2 comes out. Um, is there a space for something like the Nintendo Switch 2, or is it going to be closer to what like the Wii U was, where no one really got why it existed? <laughs> yeah, it's... A good question. Um, I think the Wii U was a very weird time for Nintendo, and I don't really think they quite knew what they were doing at that stage. Um, this feels a bit different. I feel like with the Switch, 
uh nintendo really targeted what they were going for and they nailed it like they smashed it ahead of anybody else um and you know can't mention the kind of stock difficulty and part of it i still firmly believe was an intentional choice on their part to drum up the demand for it and it worked brilliantly um I feel like with the Switch to Nintendo, as you kind of alluded to, they don't they're not making Spider-Man's or God of Wars or, you know, you know, the top looking games. They don't need a lot of pixel and graphical power. Um, they just need a system that works reliably, has a good battery life, um, and can play fun games, which is what all of their IPs are based on, is a cool art style, um, which isn't graphically intensive. Um and I think Nintendo Studios are all set up. It's almost the the complete opposite of Xbox and Microsoft in that all of their studios are maximized to get the most out of whatever technology they work with. Um, and they achieve it consistently, game after game, time after time, you know, whether it's spin-offs of their major series, random games, indies, or you know, their big budget Mario's and whatever else. Um, these studios know the technology inside out and i think that's why they're always so successful even despite the less graphical you know um pieces that they kind of go for um and i think you know when we played we played wonder didn't we at egx and even as someone who doesn't care for mario whatsoever even i was like Do you know what i can get why people are all over this like it's just fun to play um and Nintendo know their audience and they know how to maximize the technology that they use within their consoles. So I feel like Switch 2, it won't impress people who aren't Nintendo fans particularly, I don't think. But also Nintendo don't care <laughs> and they don't need to care um, because like someone like me is not their target audience and they're not trying to convince someone like me. Um, but I think their core audience of players will love whatever they put out with this. And I think as long as there's enough of an upgrade where you can see a visible difference from Switch 1 to Switch 2, I think that will be enough to justify it. The, again, the pricing is going to be a really big factor. If they charge, you know, the equivalent of a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, you know, then obviously there'll be uproar. But I suspect what they'll do is they will match whatever the prices of the consoles are now um, and reduce it fairly significantly to make it a better entry point for people who don't want the you know current gen ones that we're on um so yeah it depends on how they market it It depends on what games come alongside it straight away if there's nothing you know majorly released for the first six months i think they'll have the same problem that the ps5 did um so yeah the lineup of games will be important and if there's enough of a step up from the switch one to switch to i think comparing it to the ps5 and xbox is kind of a moot point because they're not trying to compete with those um so i do see a place for it and i think eight to nine years is a decent enough time i think that's enough time to build up some demand and hype for a stronger console um and they don't do the the like mid-term upgrades that we see with playstation or xbox that like we saw the ps4 pro and stuff so yeah, I, I think it'll be worthy. It just depends on how much Nintendo can pour into it in its first six months to a year. Yeah, that's a great point because um, I, I was kind of on the fence with the sort of, with the release of it, kind of thinking, is it too iterative because we've got the OLED? Do we really need a Switch 2 that kind of plays games that we would have played like uh, eight, seven years ago? Like, because... If you think about it, the Switch came out kind of at the mid mid cycle of uh, PlayStation and Xbox One. 
Um, to be able to play games like that on Nintendo Switch, I feel like f- for the layman, it might be not enough. But if you can, like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is kind of, a lot of people were saying that it was a Marvel technology wizardry that they managed to have a game run so stably with so much going on the on the screen. So if they can bring that experience and make it better, I think that's maybe just as justifiable. Um, however, this does kind of lead sim- to the next news piece, but I'll kind of uh, start with this, that um, 2024 in the industry of games, we are seeing a downtick for um, major developers kind of getting rid of a lot of their staff and always constantly wanting growth. And I think the Nintendo Switch is uh, a symptom of this growth that companies are wanting more from from uh, their audiences and they want to expand. And the Nintendo Switch is kind of part of the reason why... The, the second one is part of the reason why we're going in this sort of... maybe it's too harsh to call a downward spiral, but um, it's looking worse and worse for some of the people that are making it and the audience that are experiencing kind of this happen. Like it's the, it's like, it feels like a burnout that's going on because um, all these companies have just wanted to grow. And I feel like we're at the capacity right now and pushing it out of this year in a year where we're, already struggling with sort of the layoffs that are going on um the we won't grow basically if nothing comes out this year speaking of uh playstation has no major first party release until 2025 um this is justin carter from gamedeveloper.com sony revealed players shouldn't expect new installments for uh wow that is poorly worded (laughs) from this article sorry uh sony revealed players shouldn't expect new installments for and of its first party franchise this fiscal year that doesn't make sense as a sentence but we'll carry on with it in the latest fiscal report sony president hiroki Toki said it wouldn't release any new major existing franchise titles like marvel spider-man 2 or god of war ragnarok before april 2025 PlayStation's first-party games have a fairly regular release cadence. It usually puts out two major games per year, like Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West in 2022. Totoki went on to say, Sony will continue on focus to produce high-quality con- high works and live-service games. Beyond that, major projects are being developed at its internal studio. So this news comes out around the time that we learned last week that we're in the latter half of the console's life cycle. Um, and we'll be slowing down on the console's production in favor of moving on to new projects. I'm guessing kind of like the PS6. Um, but what have we really seen for this console? And has it been enough? Cat, uh, tell me, have you had your fill of PS5 games to warrant owning one? When we were just speaking about the trials and tribulations you had getting one. Was it worth it? <laughs> has enough games come out for it that you thought, you know what, actually, PS5 has done all right? Yeah, I I do. I think we ate good. I think we've eaten good. And I think if it's going to mean quality and it's going to mean 
you know, this lack of, oh, no, we don't know when it's coming out. Uh, can you remember the time of the podcast where we were really fucked off with PlayStation not telling us anything, but releasing marketing for stuff? Like, that, that was just the most annoying thing in the world um, because you didn't know if it was coming tomorrow or in five years' time. And I think that we have eaten very, very good for PlayStation. We've had Ragnarok, we've had Forbidden West. Um, we've, you know, even this year, you know, you guys have had bug fucking snacks whatever the fuck it is um you know we've had Elden Ring we've had Baldur's Gate like a lot has happened on the PlayStation with Spider-Man Spider-Man 2 Spider-Man Miles Morales like you could go on and on and on forever until we die but you know maybe maybe it's good you know let let Xbox you know Xbox have just had their podcast and their I mean weirdly kind of handing some buttons over to the PlayStation and kind of admitting some sort of defeat there but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to say, guys, we're taking a step back. I'm not even taking a step back. That's that's the wrong phrase of turn, but well, wrong turn of phrase, sorry. But it's kind of like, yeah, like I feel okay with that. It's March. And the thing is as well, what is a big title to one person? It's not necessarily a big title to the other Elden Ring was a massive title. I personally didn't give a shit about it. You know, Tomb Raider might not be a massive title for you. I fucking love it. So I think that whilst it hasn't got the big hitters like Ragnarok and, you know, Horizon, you know, we have still got a lot coming out this year. Um, You know, we have had Spider-Man in the last kind of six months or so. I think we'll do just fine for the next seven months. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Um, like it is first party titles that they're talking about. Um, and you're mentioning that we've got loads and loads of other games that are coming to the platform, yeah. regardless of whether or not Sony are behind it or not. So, you know, and like you said as well, we're not all in favor for every single release. I might be because I'm a sucker. I'll play absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> but that has led me to my question for you, Miles. Uh, is it actually a blessing in disguise that we can try and catch up on some of the games that we missed out last year or try to keep up with this year's releases? Oh, my fucking God, it so is. <laughs> Even just playing Helldivers, like, it's been nice to have a bit of space to be able to play something just for the enjoyment of it. Um, because it did feel at times like we were scrambling to try to just keep up with the number of AAAs and how big they were. Um, and I personally, I'm okay with Sony not having a first party title this year. And a big part of that is the crunch that Sony Studios have been going through in the last kind of five to 10 years to create these games. Um, and I would much rather we have a year which is quiet and we don't get, you know, Ghost of Tsushima 2 or, you know, the next Wolverine game or whatever. If it means that those developers can make it in a nice environment and then we can celebrate having a really good year in 2025. Um you know, it's kind of one of those things where we we ate good the last couple of years, as Kat said, and, you know, we've had plenty of good games to feast on. And, you know, these studios need to take a bit of time to reset and work on the games that they're working on and make them as good as they can. I'm totally cool with that. There are more than enough third party games to fill out the roster. And on the exclusive side of things, you know, we've talked about it extensively. Sony doesn't have competition. Xbox quite simply cannot compete with it. Phil Spencer said so himself, and we've seen from that podcast the way they're shifting. They're not really trying to anymore. So I actually think it's a good thing for both the studios themselves that they get 
um, the opportunity to take their time. And I think we as consumers finally have some time, like you said, to finally catch up on our backlogs and be able to play stuff for enjoyment instead of just trying to keep up with everything that's new. Um, and yeah, like I said, Helldivers, it's not technically first party, but it's still on Sony's platform and it's already a win for 24. So And you never know when the next like Fall Guys is going to come out, or the next Rocket League, or you know, the next DVD for us. Hopefully, get us off that cess bit of a game. Um, mm. You know, there's there's opportunities now to play other stuff for a bit, and I'm perfectly cool with that. And you know, there's only so many first party IPs that Sony have, and if they started pumping them out to fill up every year, we would get tired of them, and they wouldn't have the same yeah. impact or effect. Um, And I think having a year off, we talked about this with Call of Duty, you know, they pumped out Modern Warfare 3 when they absolutely should not have done last year. Um, mm -hmm. And it led to one of the least critically successful COD games ever. Um, so, yeah, I think taking a year off is actually quite sensible for Sony. And I think they're in a marketplace now where they can do that. Um, so hopefully it's going to lead to better games. And it just means that 25 is going to be a big, big year with two or three potential exclusives hitting um which could be really cool yeah for sure um and you know to say that we're not getting massive first party titles we're still looking at rise of the Ronin next month um i do believe stellar blade is exclusive to playstation i think it um, is yeah yeah i think this i think the um the creator of stellar blade kind of came out and said that if we were to put it on a platform i think playstation 5 would be the best for it so yes i think uh, stellar blade is exclusive to playstation for the time being um uh so you know we've got we've got things sprinkled throughout the year that yes might not be the reason why people get a playstation but if you're in the ecosystem and you're seeing these games and I'm sure there's going to be more that come out on PlayStation plus that we don't know about yet because they usually go like, Oh, there's this game month later. It's on PlayStation plus. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a quiet year. I do think um, Xbox have a little bit more time to shine this year. Fingers crossed, you know, with, with, uh, with uh, the Xbox Direct that we got, they said every game there is going to come out in 2024. So we've got Avowed, Indiana Jones, um, uh, that strategy game. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I don't remember that name. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's not, I can't, I don't think I can say PlayStation have let Xbox get <laughs> a little bit of room to breathe in in a year where they can release some of their games whilst PlayStation um, absolutely dominate in sales. But um, yeah, I think you're totally right. Uh, we're getting, getting a bit of time away from some of the first party stuff so we can get better games. I, I also think that maybe Last of Us, um, the multiplayer was maybe supposed to come out this year and that would have been Sony's big one. Um, but as we know, that's kind of fallen to the wayside. That's like gone now, doesn't exist. Um, so that's probably what's filled a massive crater for it. Bloody hell, I completely forgot Final Fantasy VII Rebirth as well. Is this? Oh month. my god, yeah, the, the fucking massive one. <laughs> I guess it's because it's a timed exclusive. We're not really seeing it in the same way, but yeah, it is an exclusive. Yeah, true. true. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I think it sounds drastic, the headline, but I think we're doing all right. And I think Xbox are doing okay too now. <laughs> I don't think this is the end times. Um, 
What if if uh, yeah. what if they like made a deal? They were like, "We'll bring Hi-Fi Rush to PlayStation if you just leave your games for twenty four and let us have a bit of the limelight for a year." <laughs> Do you know what? Uh, I feel like they've got that sort of relationship these days. Kind of like, uh, um, no, I'm not going to make it go there. But yes, there's a power dynamic there in a way that some people do when they're in a relationship i'll just leave it at that one uh you figure that one for yourselves <laughs> all right so that was the news of the week that we covered um now it's on to re- recommendations uh this is the part where we find something throughout the week that we want to share with you our dear listeners uh miles i'm going to kick it off with you what is your recommendation this week Quite honestly, the only recommendation I have is Helldivers 2 because I fucking love this game and I cannot recommend it highly enough that you crash land on some planets and shoot some bugs and destroy some robots. Um, I'd also recommend getting a cat. I've spent today between my appointments just coming down and giving pets to this cat and I'm pretty sure my serotonin levels have increased about tenfold. Um, So if you're on the fence about getting one, get a cat. It'll make your mental health better. There you go. And that's coming from a therapist. So you know they're true. Nothing but facts. Exactly. Kat, let me know what your recommendation is. Well, I was going to say getting a cat. Okay, um, well, say, say it anyway. Ex- you, you can edit me out. Just say it anyway. <sighs> I won't, I won't <laughs> no, edit no. out. Expand on it. Tell me how wonderful this Expand. cat is, because the listeners don't even know their name yet. Right. This cat is a cat that we're kind of looking at. We're cat-sitting the cat, okay, for a couple of months. Dear friend of mine. Um, her name is Lupin after the Potter character, obviously. And um, Lupin is a black cat. She's a black kind of eight-year-old cat. And she is the world's politest cat, apart from at seven in the morning when she wants to be fed. But I mean, what, what other cat isn't, you know, and what who who isn't, you know, impolite when they're hungry? Uh, but this cat is so polite. This cat will not bother you if you don't want to be bothered she'll just come up to you very nicely she'll get off your seat if she knows that you're sitting in it so like she sits on moon chair and when I come home from work she'll get off of moon chair and sit on the floor and I'm like oh my god she knows it's my chair but I wouldn't ever move her I'm not like that's my chair um poo content coming up she knows where her litter tray is and she'll only ever poo in her litter tray. And if her litter tray is too dirty, well, that's not good enough for Lupin. So then she'll meow until you change her litter tray. Obviously, that's only happened once. And actually, it wasn't even dirty. We just changed the litter and maybe she got a bit confused because we bought a different litter. So we like changed it in front of her. And then she was like, OK, I'm ready now. And according to her previous owner, if she doesn't want to poo in her litter tray, she doesn't want to poo on your floor or pee on your floor. So she'll poo in your bath. Which I just think is really polite as a cat to go off and find your bath and just go, do you know what? I don't want to pull on your carpet. I won't do it. Um, She is primarily an outside cat, but we have had to keep it inside because otherwise she'll try and find her way back to Somerset. Um, So she needs a couple of days to just, you know, cement herself here. But it feels less lonely in the house. Not that the house felt lonely before, but there's just something so lovely about you know, having an animal in the house and petting it and making sure that they're okay. And yeah, they're just, she's just very, very sweet. And even I didn't think I would give a fuck this much, but I do, I give lots of fucks. Um, so yeah, get a cat. If you're, if you're on the fence about getting a cat, get a cat. That's too short. Have you heard that folks? These two suckers have all already got toxoplasmosis which if you didn't know about it either of you 
definitely google it <laughs> it will uh it, it will be a weird revelation uh and toxo toxoplasmosis you kind of you say it how it's spelled i guess Oh, lovely. yep That sounds lovely. How do you know that we've got that? well i don't it's just you can get it from cats um and it sends you a bit loopier than you normally are um Okay. and you know as as an owner of two cats i've probably definitely got it too so we can all be in this group as you train together Yay. <laughs> Praise the cat people, <laughs> unite. exactly I've, and ross wouldn't have let you speak about looping that much but me on the other hand this is a cat podcast now um i was struggling to find of a recommendation um that wasn't a video game because I've not been doing anything else. Um, but I would love to talk about um, Roki or Rookie, depending on how you say it. It's got an umlaut on it. Um, I think it's a, like a Nordic phrase because uh, this game is set with Nordic mythology in mind um, or Norse mythology, sorry. Um, yeah, it is a game about two siblings. Um, their mum has passed and you are kind of awoken to a beast kind of taking over your house and you just run away into the forest um to yeah to get away from it and then your brother gets taken um this is uh by polygon treehouse i want to say um and it's a kind of it's it's a point and click adventure in terms of its puzzles but it's fully you can fully control the character so if you really aren't like a massive fan of point and clicks it's like don't worry like this game plays full time like a, a full a real-time game um and you just have to click on objects and, and drag them to the puzzle piece that you need to solve when in terms of it and that's what it is it's it's all environmental puzzles it's all kind of um practical problem solving um and i'm really enjoying it i have just got to the third act i would say um where it kind of does change the game again um from what you already expect it to be um and it's really heartfelt it's really deep um And the Norse mythology is cool. I think uh, it really gives me God of War vibes. I know, you know, it's a, it's an entirely different game, um, but their sort of interpretations of uh, the sort of Norse gods and the guardians of the forest and stuff like that is really cool. It feels, it feels familiar, but um, also very different because um, whilst I've seen loads of different things that are kind of based around it, um, I've never seen it told in this way and it's really, really interesting. Uh, so yeah, I'm about six or seven hours in it. I think I'm pretty close to the end. So, you know, it's a sub 10 hour game uh, and it's really lovely. I really like the art style. It kind of feels like, um, like you're cutting out pieces of card and kind of sticking them on top of each other. Like they're a, a, like a, an art installation, that sort of art style where it's really blocky colors. Um, and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, so go check that out. That's uh, Roki or Rookie, however you want to pronounce it. And that is it, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Finger Guns podcast. If you like what we do here, you can follow us on a multitude of our socials, including Twitter, at FNGRGNS, with everyone else's handle being in the description, except from Miles, who's smart and not on Twitter. I don't know if I mentioned that last week, but I'll mention it this week for everyone, the dear listeners. <laughs> 
similarly, if you want to support us either, even further, you can do th so through our Patreon. Uh, for just $1 a month, you can help this show stay alive on its various podcasting services and keep the website nice and shiny. Also, give us a review. Wherever you listen to us, uh, give it five stars if you like it. Give it five stars if you don't. It helps visibility in the search function. And uh, we really just want to take over the world with our nonsense. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from Miles. Farewell. It is goodbye from Kat. Farewell, TTFN. Ta-ta for now. And it's goodbye from me, your host, Josh. Until next time, that is. Um, yeah, this has been the final podcast for finger guns that I've been hosting. I knew I would fumble it at the end. There we go. Josh's Enjoy. reign is coming to an end. <laughs> Enjoy this episode of the Finger Guns podcast. I'll see you next week, not on hosting duties. Goodbye. Goodbye.